The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. The Fold is brought to you by O Media, making brands unmissable and public spaces better across Aotearoa. My guest today is Philip Crump, who is the editor of ZB Plus, which is a relatively recent, I think it was started sort of uh, you know, heading into the election last year, online opinion and analysis site, an uh, extension of the ZB radio brand. So, you know, you live in New Zealand, you know what ZB is, it's sort of built around Mike Hosking at the moment, but you know, previously Paul Holmes. It has always been the home of a particular kind of conservative, right-leading perspective on this country. Uh, and so Philip is is a conservative right-wing guy, but, you know, as, as you'll hear if you listen, he's also a pretty calm, cerebral, reflective sort of a person and and I think was was a really interesting and appropriate pick to for that for that role. It definitely gives it a different tonality than if you'd chosen a more sort of inflammatory, inflammatory style of, of editor. Uh, he's also got a really interesting backstory. He studied law and, and Māori studies at university, moved to London when he was young and spent over two decades working in the law contract law, massive deals, you know, these enormous checks, like was working in that sort of very kind of rarefied air at the top of the profession over there, moves back to New Zealand in 2022 and basically sort of looks at the media landscape that he finds and compares it to the, you know, much more vibrant and vital and kind of you know, you, you have very much your right-wing institutions and your left-wing institutions. And he, he sort of thought that New Zealand had a fairly homogenous middle and was missing some of the conservative perspectives. I also think the timing is, you know, instructive in a way. I think we talk about this, but there's been a lot of uh, right-wing media startups uh, over the last few years. And I think that is in part because it was a strange reporting and political environment, especially the first two, three years of COVID, uh, you know, that, that, and so he was landing into a somewhat artificial environment in a way, but he started tweeting and then substacking into the name Thomas Cranmer, touching on a lot of the, the stories like Three Waters, co-governance, uh, the Posey Parker tour, things that the mainstream media were rightly tentative in their coverage of. They were either very complicated and, you know, enormous pieces of legislation that that you probably did need to be a lawyer to to properly get your head around, or they had a really, really inflammatory uh, impact on on your audience in the case of Posey Parker. But as he points out, the fact that there was tentative or, or sort of a fairly narrow coverage of some of these subjects doesn't mean that there weren't big chunks of 
the New Zealand population that were really animated by them uh, and curious to, to see some, some perspectives on them that weren't necessarily being expressed in, in mainstream forums. And that really drove a rise in popularity for him. And, and like I say, I, you know, there, there are lots of, there's lots of what, he, what he's written or has sort of articulated that, are, that aren't my views, but I do appreciate that he goes about them in this calm, methodical, very loyally way uh, of just sort of working from a, a, like, here's a direct quote, here is a way that this might be interpreted, here is a, the conservative doctrinal position on this. It's just, it's got a calm to it, which I think is, I appreciate in an era when there's not a lot of that around. And then a couple of months ago, ZB Plus launched, it's got a hard paywall, I haven't subscribed, I don't really know what he's publishing beyond the headlines. Uh, it's on some level usual suspects with a few uh, interesting names sprinkled in. But it was just kind of motoring along and then they got the the scoop about the Gallery's Garriman uh, shoplifting allegations, which have become charges. And for an opinion site to get a, a new scoop is interesting. Uh, you know, for a startup organization to have a one-time monster scoop land in its lap is always has a profound impact on your sort of traffic and your visibility and your audience and so on. So I thought it'd be good to get him up to sort of talk about the state of the right-wing media ecosystem, what his intentions are with ZB, that transition from uh, being a very credentialed lawyer into basically a very senior but also very inexperienced journalist and editor. Uh, there's just a lot that's interesting about Philip Crump and that's what we talk about. So yeah, this is Philip Crump, uh, previously anonymously known as Thomas Cramner, the editor of ZB Plus on The Fold. Tenakwe, Philip, welcome to The Fold. Great. Yeah, thank you. Good to be here. Um, so I wonder if you could start by telling me about yourself and your background and your relationship with media uh, prior to starting the Thomas Cramner Substack. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so I'm a, uh, I'm a lawyer by, by training. Um, went to Auckland University, did law, um, started practicing in Auckland in the late 90s. Went to London in 2000 and was basically there for about 22 years practicing practicing law. So um, connection with the media during that time was pretty limited, um, talking to you know financial mags, et cetera, about some of the things that I was doing. But for the most part, it was very private, um, stayed away from the media, uh, had no profile. Uh, we moved back to New Zealand uh, a couple of years ago. And started tweeting, and that was where it kind of started. Um, started tweeting, um, and you know, got a little bit of got a little bit of traction. Got interested in some of it. I didn't really, I didn't start for any real purpose, um, but it got some interest. So I continued to go, and then felt that I needed to expand on my on my tweets. So I needed a more slightly more long form uh, format, which is why I got into into blogging. And so, Kremna on Twitter became Kremna on Substack, and it uh, and I went from there. Uh, and the anonymity, I mean, that was that was a big part of uh, the package early on. What what was the thinking there? Was that because it would impact your professional work or, you know, where, where did that idea come from? Well, I mean, it, again, it, there, there wasn't any um, thought that went into it before I, before I started. I mean, it was just an anonymous account, which I set up whilst I was still practicing in London. 
um, just for the purpose of looking at Twitter. And so I just set it up, you know, under under a pseudonym. I didn't start actually using the account until I was in New Zealand a couple of years later. And just because it took off under that uh, under that guise, I suppose I just kind of continued it um, if, well for as long as I could really. I think my and my approach early on, because as an anonymous account, you know to kind of build trust, it wasn't I didn't want to give opinions. I wanted to just show effectively show facts. So tweet out a page and let the audience kind of decide for themselves. Um, and yeah, it did become a little bit of a, a thing, I suppose, but it wasn't for any it wasn't for any specific purpose. In terms of that sort of, you know, because you were away from New Zealand for over 20 years during a period of quite, I mean, most periods of that duration will encompass change of some description. But I think, uh, and I want to talk a little bit more about the, the broader kind of right-wing media ecosystem of which you are uh, and were a part under both your, your kind of current job and, and that the, the Substack and so on. But... Um, it feels like a number of people, like the animating force, a lot of them were founded in that period, 20 to 23, the sort of post-COVID you know, era in a way where they felt like the sphere of what was being discussed and how it was being discussed within mainstream media had had changed. Was that something that, that was part of the animating instinct for you? Um, it definitely, I, th I suppose it definitely played a role um, because I think the, me the media landscape here is obviously different to what it is in the UK. It's a right. far, far bigger environment and a far more diverse media landscape with, with a lot more different voices in it. And whilst I didn't set out to kind of do anything on Twitter per se, I think having a different voice or one different voice uh, helped, I think, uh, helped kind of with the, um, with the support around it. Uh, and I suppose I did want to, as a develop, give an alternative view to some things that I didn't think were being covered in quite the way that they could be in the media in a more you know, diverse, rounded, rounded way. So it's so a different, a different voice. I mean, if I'm, I'm going to try and characterize what I felt like you were trying to do with the Substack, and you can tell me if I've got it wrong. But it felt like there were, there were sort of two broad pillars to what you were doing. One of which was to offer. What was I don't think I don't mean this in a negative way, like a sort of a doctrinaire conservative perspective on things, which where that wasn't necessarily part of the discussion. And the second was to, and this would be drawing on your legal background, to look into the weeds of the legislation and sort of imagine what a, you know, how that might be tested or applied in in various kind of whether it's contractual or political contexts. Is that is that fair? Yeah, I think that's an accurate description. Um, I think when it comes to the first point around a kind of a yeah conservative perspective, you know, my, my view on this, I'm not a particularly tribal person when it comes to politics. I don't have a, a kind of a you know a, a team that I follow like I do with my sports teams, uh, and I think that's part of the problem sometimes with politics. People do become very very tribal, and yeah, the effect of that is they lose objectivity. Um, so, you know, whilst I do have, I suppose, a leaning, and I've been quite open with that, that it's, you know, more right-leaning than it is left, that's not to say that I don't, you know, support, you know, some issues that, you know, from a left perspective. But I think giving that view, which is not, I don't think, that well covered in the media in New Zealand, I think that's one of the problems with a small media landscape where you, it's, it's, it's got only a small amount of players 
and where the voice is relatively homogenous. There's not a lot of diversity with, within that group. And so I think adding a different uh, view was helpful. And then on the second point, um, yeah, I suppose my training, well, for a start, you know, I'm quite comfortable in terms of digging into documents and pulling things out and presenting a, for instance, a nugget that may be buried in a large amount of information and digging into, you know, some of the um, technical areas around, you know, it was three waters at the beginning of last year, which obviously was, you know, becoming a big a big issue politically in the country. And I think um, being able to, yeah, dive into some of the technical issues around that helped. Let's talk about Three Waters because that was, I, I recall uh, at the time, I think it was Patrick Smelly from Business Desk, who's now a colleague of yours at NZME, uh, made a particular characterization of your analysis of Three Waters that was quite dismissive and reductive. You know, I think you're, what you were trying to do, or at least on the face of it, I, you know, a lot of the time the issue is, you know, I'm not reading the legislation. Very few people were reading the legislation. So unless you were, you were quite, you were struggling to sort of say, is this, and you probably had the, a background in reading legislation and policy. It's, it, it, you know, sometimes you can be, it's not a necessarily a fair fight. But did you, what did you make of that characterization? And there was, because it was, it did express an idea that was out there in the world that there was a, you were sort of willfully mischaracterizing some elements of the intention of Three Waters. Uh, yeah, look, I mean, I, Patrick's issue was um, on a very specific point within the legislation. So it wasn't a, and I didn't have a general criticism of the legislation as a whole. I had specific criticisms. There was some criticisms about some of the governance mechanisms. There was criticism around the financing of it. And there was some criticism around the Timana OTY statements, which is a technical issue within the documentation. And I think at this stage or at that stage, the dispute was on how you obviously interpret the legislation. When you look at it, lawyers always have different interpretations when you're putting together whether it's a contract or legislation. And th this legislation is incredibly complex and the specific point that we're talking about was very nuanced. And I was um, trying to flesh out the nuance on that and show that there was an alternative credible interpretation which could have a, a different effect to the way that the government was portraying it. The government did not want to fully explain that 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 point in any detail. And so, yeah, Patrick Patrick um, did make a point. I had a good discussion with him before that article, and I had a good discussion with him after it on the point. You know, it's a, we could you could you could talk about it for hours. You could write a lot of stuff about it, and it is the point that lawyers disagree about. So I, I you know. He, he made a point in a, in one sentence, but uh, yeah, I still stand by my my position. I told him I think my position was the stronger view. That's not to say that there are other views, and you need to get to a court to 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 make the final um, the final decision. But I think the public needs to know where there is some ambiguity because you know it's a big um, it's a monster piece of legislation, a lot, of, a lot of spending. Yeah. Um, now. I don't want to kind of dwell too long on the business test thing, but but you know you you and I were in discussions prior because I I thought you were providing an interesting voice that kind of felt like it was giving voice to some, some things that weren't happening in media, and and I'm sort of interested in that whole world. And around the time we were having those discussions about essentially revealing your identity in a controlled way, it, it was kind of revealed as as I understand it without your say so. What, what can be called doxing in. Um, and said or said in sort of internet circles, 
how did that feel and, and you know, how did you sort of resolve that given, you know, you know that you are now and it wasn't long after that you became colleagues with the, the organisation that, that did that? <laughs> Everything all good is what I'm asking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's, it's fine. I suppose, look, going back to it, I think when you're a private person as I was, you know, with a, a profession which, you know, we, you know, we work in private, moving from that sphere into the public sphere, particularly when you don't intend to do it, there's a little bit of hesit- hesitancy around that. And I was um, slowly getting used to that fact, you know, as, you know, you knew from from our discussions. And I think whilst I was doing the blog um, anonymously, I was getting in contact with more and more people um, within whether it was the public service or government or in the media. So my name was or my identity was becoming more widely known. So I suppose it was only a matter of time that it would happen. And yeah, look, I mean, I, I got a message when I was walking in the park one day that there'd be a story about me the next day. So it, it, it was fine. I, I Obviously, I spoke to Business Desk before they ran it. They were fine. And as I say, I mean, you know, I uh, my anonymity was not to protect me against any, you know, particular issue or concern. So um, the fact that it was done was, you know, it's worked out all right. It's interesting you say that, right? Because a lot of people would say that uh, the worst possible thing that could happen to a human is to go from a well-paid area of the law like, you know, contracting for sort of major entities to what remains of journalism. And um, I I apologise for the misfortune (laughs) you've suffered suffered there. But, um, you know, obviously the process of becoming at first an anonymous and then a public media figure, and then obviously there was a discussion with with NZME that led to the ZB Plus opportunity, but there must be something about it for you to to give up this long and kind of storied career in the law for to, to make your way into the the news media. What what was it about the the proposition from NZME that proved irresistible to you? Well, look, I mean, again, there was no um, forethought or planning around kind of, okay, I'm going to move from law to media. Yeah, I had a great career in law, enjoyed it a lot. I liked the law, had a great time. The And as I say, I kind of fell into writing. But as I've, I've told a few people, a lot of lawyers are, f- are failed writers. A lot of them would like to be writing poetry or, or, or literature. And I did find the process of writing enjoyable. I've always liked writing. And, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're drafting contracts, it's, it's obviously a very disciplined process. But just having the freedom to um, go where I want in terms of exploring issues or themes and writing it in a way which is a little more expressive than, um, than a contract, yeah, is, is interesting. And so I think, you know, there's, there's a lot about the media, which is very, very good, I think, as a profession. I think journalists, and, and actually right from the start, I've had a very good relationship with People that started reaching out to me when I was anonymous. I think journalists as a whole are curious people that are interested in finding out how things work or what happens, um, explaining it in you know in, in, in a thoughtful way. And and you know all my dealings with them have been have been great. I, the, the challenge for media is the business model, as you know. I mean that's that's the issue um, with it. So you know I'm, I've I've been interested in terms of the writing process and exploring issues that I wouldn't otherwise do and talking to people that I wouldn't otherwise do. I mean, this is the other thing with the media is that you can have discussions with really interesting people that are kind of outside of your normal kind of, um, your normal network. So, you know, that that side of it is good. And I suppose like you, I do have a, an interest in the way that media works as a business. And it's obviously going through a lot of change at the moment. ZB Plus is part of that. All media organisations in New Zealand are struggling with it and adapting to it as they are overseas. 
The Fold is brought to you by O Media, making brands unmissable and public spaces better across Aotearoa, with over 4,000 out-of-home advertising sites nationwide across both street furniture and retail centres. I'm super grateful to O Media for enabling us to make unmissable connections with Kiwis. Raising capital or taking your business to the world? Investment Fix has the lowdown on everything you need to make it happen. This season, we're exploring the US market. The opportunities it offers, what it takes to grow a business there, and the best way to approach investors. Join some of the superstars of the investment and business world as they share advice from their time in the US so you can make your mahi count in this massive market. The Investment Fix Podcast, brought to you by Invest New Zealand. Tune in today. Let's talk about ZB Plus now because... You know, it's it's quite an interesting offering that well, there was on some level. It's designed to fill a, a perceived hole. Uh, what what is the intention with it, and and how would you sort of, if you were to kind of try and analyze your, you know, how, how it's going? It's sort of roughly six months old now. Uh, yeah, what what's your what's your sense of of that? Um, well, I mean, I think the I think um, one of the driving forces is to get different voices into the media, uh, and I think the 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 other part is to expand on the uh, on the news talks it be brand and content, which is primarily radio, and build that out in in, in written form. So you know, this yeah, that's what we're trying to do. It's going very well. We've got great columnists um, that are kind of contributing more in the pipeline, and a few good news stories as well. <laughs> yeah, well, we, what, what, how, what is the relationship with news? Because uh, you know the the biggest scoop, of, the political scoop of the year was the the Goldrie's government uh, shoplifting allegations, which have now turned into charges. And and you know you and ZB Plus broke that, which which sort of was surprising in some respects because the sort of pitch for ZB Plus didn't seem to be door busting scoops. It seemed to be like you were just describing, a range of voices, analysis, perspectives that yep. aren't otherwise published within a sort of quote-unquote mainstream publication. So what, yep. what the hell happened there? <laughs> Seems like a, a giant mistake. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, there's, a, there's a couple of things. I mean, you're right in terms of the general thrust is different voices, analysis, commentary, but we are building out news and that is a just a gradual kind of cautious approach and we're going to do that, yeah, yeah, in a kind of in a measured way. Um, the, the focus in terms of, well, I suppose all the content is going to be political content and that story fell within the, uh, I suppose, within that kind of political political element. I suppose there was also a little bit of happenstance to it and this is a kind of a good, I think, good lesson for everyone uh, when, you're, um, well, when, you're, when you're starting out or when you're a junior. I always found that my, my best breaks when I was in law was when my boss was on holiday and you got to run a deal, and you got exposure to senior lawyers on the other side. You got exposure to clients, and that's the way you kind of really develop. It's kind of taking those opportunities to get profile when people aren't around. They're at the beach, and that's kind of what happened with that story. I mean, you know, other people, you know, it would have been run by someone else. I think I, I, I think I was the first person to get it, but there were a lot of people at the beach, and I did pick my phone up when it rang. So I think that's a lesson. Right. And there were a number of people I saw when, when the story initially broke who basically dismissed the story due to the messenger. They view ZB rightly on some level as, as a conservative coded institution and the fact that this was a, a sort of nascent star of the political left who was the target of it, that, you know, that that was an issue. Like, 
do, do what what do you say to that? I mean, ultimately, the charges sort of suggest that that was um, that critique wasn't accurate. But would you were this to be an ACT MP or a National MP, the same rules apply? I think so. Yeah. I mean, look, it wasn't. Um, it, it's not a philosophical issue um, at all. You know, it was a it was a big story, and it happened to be you know in relation to a Green Party MP. So, no, I think the coincidence that it was ZB plus in relation to the Green Party is it's purely coincidental. Yeah, we would have run it with any any party. Has there been a sort of sustained dividend in terms of whether it's, uh, you know, new subscribers, uh, ongoing traffic? You know, there was certainly in terms of the profile of the brand, there has not been an event like it. There might never be again. It's, it's that big of a story. Yeah, look, I mean, there has been. It's, it was interest, It was very interesting to, for me to see how it unfolded right from the start in terms of, well, the internal processes and how it rolled out in the media um, after that. Yeah, yeah, I think there's been a good bounce. So good start to the year. In terms of the that, that general right-wing or, uh, or conservative media space, you know, I alluded to this earlier, there's been a, quite a sh- shocking growth there, in terms of the, 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 the a shocking growth. <laughs> well, well, it's just, it, like it's it's surprising, you know, like it, the, just the number of different organisations and institutions that have set up shop over the last few years. When you think about you know, the platform, most prominently, uh, Common Room, which mm-hmm. you know, I've got a story coming out or, or will have come out by the time this airs about about that that ending. But yeah. you know, the facts, centrist, reality check, Bassett Brash and Hyde. You know, some of which have greater or lesser conspiratorial or anti-vaccine tendencies. So, and I can understand, like there is a breadth here, and a lot, a lot of right-wing people would say actually that conspiratorial stuff is not on any kind of a spectrum. It's just, it's just out there. But it, there feels like there is some kind of connected tissue there in terms of a dissatisfaction with what the the mainstream media is uh, publishing. What what do you put that down to? Uh, you know, in terms of uh, what what is driving that this sort of plurality of them. Look, I, I think it comes back to the point I made earlier that I think the media media ecosystem in New Zealand is pretty homogenous. Yeah, a lot of the views are very similar across all the media platforms. And that that's that's a problem. And that is actually one of the issues that I found a little depressing when I kind of returned that I it's not that I only want to read articles you know, that lean to the right. No, I, I, I want to read a balance. I want to read some good stuff from the left. I want to read some good stuff. But I want I, I want different different views. And I think that's what's driving it. You know, there are a lot of people that, uh, you know, who are dissatisfied, the, the reading public, who are dissatisfied with the current offering that are, for instance, subscribing to publications in Australia, whether it's the Australian or other media things, to get coverage of New Zealand politics. So I think you, you know, it, it needs to be delivered somehow. You know, it, it's it's obviously more preferable to do it locally. So I think that's what's driving. I don't think the conspiratorial stuff is. It's always going to be there in some shape or form. I think the the main issue is getting um, voices, um, well, not just from the right, but different. You know, a, a range of ethnicities, etc. Diversity is what we want. One thing that's kind of really, you know, beyond the Gallery story, there, there's been. The, the defining political story of the first part of the year has been the response of Māori to the proposed codifying of the principles of totality, uh, which, you know, National has quite firmly signalled that it, it doesn't want to progress that, but that has been 
the biggest, certainly like the, the most ongoing political storyline of the year. You're a lawyer, you studied Māori studies at, at university. Uh, what, what do you make of, of that bill and of the debate that it's sort of engendering or, or you know, whether it is a debate at all? Um, well, I think it's good to have a public discussion about the treaty. I think it's, you know, um, the more we discuss it, um, the better. So, And I think... In fairness to ACT and David Seymour, that is part of his part of the strategy. Whether the whether the bill goes through or not, it may or it may not. It looks like it, you know, odds on probably won't at the moment. Um, but there will be a discussion up until the select committee, and there'll be a report done at the select committee, and that may that may have some benefit. Uh, it, it may not. I mean, I think the the general discussion on the. Um, uh, on on the treaty, yeah, it should it should be discussed in public because otherwise it 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 just simmers away. And I, if you look at if you look at the New Zealand First um, Coalition uh, agreement with National, there are a lot of points that they have in there where they're rolling or well, they're changing their direction. And I don't think this is an issue so much about whether you honour the treaty or not. It's just how you honour it. And I you know and and I think when you look at the coalition government, that's what they're saying. They just have a different view as to how you put it into effect. On Waitangi, you published Haimoina Gray, who has written for the spin-off and for a number of publications, expressing on some level a, a kind of conservative perspective, but also uh, fusing that with a Māori worldview. But in general, ZB Plus has tended towards more Pākehā commentary, the conservative side is quite typically it's older it's more more Pākehā it's, uh, you know yet you mentioned before that a diversity of voices is something to to be valued have you have you sought to impose that have you found that difficult to sort of find people who can write well in those communities or you know what what's what's your sort of response to that that kind of lack of diversity to this point within ZB plus well I don't think there's a lack of diversity within ZB I know because I think Haimon is a great example right I mean sure. you know and this is the thing it is not um, a pure right wing um, you know we've got Chris Trotter writing every week on a Friday mm. you know his stuff is his is is great right there's, there's no better standard bearer for the left than 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 Chris. A lot of people on the left might disagree and, and view and say that his version of the left is has kind of become quite detached from where the current sort of ideological centre of the left is. Sure. Yeah. No. I, I mean, that's a, that, 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 that's a view. I mean, you know, I I happen to you know I've always rated um, Chris. Uh, you know, I, I still do. I think he's a you know he's great. His perspective is great. He does. This is the other thing. I think older voices can be as well very beneficial in the media generally. The media is quite a young, and when you look around these very rooms, young. it's very young, right? And I, I do think you, you know, you, you don't have um, just the experience and the history. So it's great to have young voices, but I think you know um, the older generation bring, if I can describe Chris as part of the older generation, you probably can. Um, uh, they bring great perspective, right? So you know, um, yeah, it's definitely not purely right wing. We've got Trotter. Haimona is a great addition. We've got a lot of women, very, you know, accomplished women uh, writing for us as well, Catherine Rich and Mary Newman and others. Um, so, yeah, and we're going to continue to add. You know, I've got some uh, some Labour MPs that will be writing for us, so it's going to be diverse. I mean, what, what you're describing is, is, the, is the process of running an editorial operation, which is yeah. quite different from tweeting or substacking. So that's quite a... It's quite a leap. How are you personally finding that process of 
trying to build out a, a coherent kind of product versus the the more introspective task of uh, you know what were you were doing prior to to the gig. Yeah, I mean it's 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 obviously a um, a different type of role, but I suppose what it gives me that Twitter doesn't is it's a bigger platform and the ability to bring in different voices. And, and really, ultimately, what I'd like is a contest of ideas. Yeah, I'm quite, and I've actually on coming back to the um, Timano OTY point with with Patrick. You know, before before my identity was revealed, I had had a couple of discussions specifically on this point, and we had a couple of quite long discussions about it. And I said, look, you know, well, number one, get Tuku Morgan to agree with your position publicly, and I'll buy you a beer if, if he does. Uh, and number two, if you want to write something, I'll publish it on my Substack. So I'm quite happy to have a, you know, I will publish dissenting opinions and have that kind of debate because that's typically what lawyers do and what, you know, the, how you get to a kind of a resolution of these things. And equally on um, on ZB Plus, that, that's kind of, you know, I'd like to have that contest of ideas. And I think, again, you know, uh, one of the criticisms I think of the media generally at the moment in New Zealand is um, it's it's one is kind of, well, what is written, but the other is what is not written. And that is quite a powerful tool that the media has, that kind of selection of, you know, what gets covered and what doesn't. And I think, so even before you, you know, it gets to be, be published, that kind of exclusion, and I think people feel it. And, you know, it's something I'm trying to correct in my own little way. Lastly, you know, and, and you were nodding at it then, you know, there is this, a huge amount of you know the, what we were talking about with the the sort of right wing media startup ecosystem, a lot of Substack and so on. It, it's a it comes from a place of a critique of the mainstream media, which for all its uh, faults is also one that you know you, you made reference to this earlier. It, 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 there's a business challenge, which is which in part feeds this. It's just. There is there are more stories than there are people to cover them, and there are less experienced people than you might hope. You you and you particularly lost that sort of experience layer. They've often moved into columns, which is just better compensated than journalism for the most part. Now that you have moved from outside the tent to inside it, and have a lot more proximity through ZB and, and the Herald to the workings of you know t- two of the the bigger journalistic organisations in the country. Do you do you? Has that altered your view or given you sort of a bit more sympathy to the complexities of trying to build out uh, news media and, and sort of views media, if you will? Well, look, it is definitely interesting to see how news is originated and published from the inside. You know, and that's, you know, that, that, that's been one of the attractions of it for me. You know, I've been in law firms all my life, very institutionalized and kind of, you know, well, they work in, you know, usually one, one, one type of way. So, it's been interesting to see how it works. Yes, it is very challenging for media companies to deliver stories. And, you know, look, there are a lot of stuff, there's a lot of things published. My view is that there is too much, too much published and that the quality isn't high enough. And frankly, you know, maybe there are too many journalists. There should be, a, there should be fewer, but they should be better paid. I think, in general. And and the business model, like all of these things, the business model does drive the outcomes. And when the business model is as challenged as it is at the moment, I th- I think it's affecting the output, you know, and that's and, 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 and the public can see it. And I think that's there's a challenge obviously around advertising. And New Zealand is a very it's a very small country. So advertise the advertising revenue pot is it's a lot smaller than what you get else, elsewhere. And I suppose that's one of the things with ZB Plus 
it's it's subscription only. It's paywalled, a hard paywall. Now, that obviously limits your reach. I'd like to have a bigger reach, but you know, it needs to be financially viable. And I think a lot of media, when you look at it, are moving towards subscription models, whether it's print or, you know, you look at TVNZ, have got TVNZ Plus, I think they're investing 100 million on their digital streaming service. I think if media companies moved more towards that, some sort of user pays model, it brings them closer to their readership and they have to deliver more what their readership actually want rather than what they feel that the Google algorithm is going to, you know, like or not like. And I think maybe at the moment, as, you know, media companies are using AI more and and playing around with these algorithms, I mean, obviously it's going to affect media a lot, but you don't want to be driven by it so much. I think, you know, we don't want stories that are kind of originated by Google. I mean, I think that there's a lot of stories that you can see on sites which are purely engineered to catch a search traffic and the marginal value of them you know, at times might be uh, harder to pick. But um, anyway, it sounds like you're already deep, <laughs> deep in the weeds of this business. I'll let you get back to it. But uh, thanks so much for, for coming up and explaining what, what you're up to with ZB+. Thank you. Appreciate it. That was The Fold, brought to you by our partners at O-Media, making brands unmissable and public spaces better across Aotearoa. Huge thanks to O-Media for sponsoring this episode of The Fold and enabling us to make unmissable connections with Kiwis. Talo for lover. I'm Madeline Chapman, editor at The Spin-Off. If you have the means, consider supporting our high-quality journalism by becoming a Spinoff member. Sign up now at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spinoff Podcast Network.